We're in a series right now we're introducing this weekend entitled Empty. And in regards to that, I just want to point us to this empty picture frame. I think it perhaps illustrates what I'm going to share with you in this message today. Empty. I remember last year that Denise and I went to Paris, and in Paris, France, is the famed Louvre Museum. And we had talked about going there. We were there just for a couple of days. So we, we decided on Tuesday we were going to go to the Louvre and see all the masterpieces, the Mona Lisa. We went there that day to buy our ticket, and we found out the one day that we had, the Louvre is closed on Tuesdays. Of all days, it's closed on Tuesdays. So we got a brochure. We stood outside of the Louvre, and we looked at the brochure, but we never got a chance to go inside and look at the great masterpieces. But for a moment, just, just think about going to the Louvre Museum, and you walk in one day, and you see on the wall just empty picture frames. The masterpiece is missing, just, just empty picture frames. Every hall, down every gallery, at every display, just empty picture frames. It's missing the masterpiece, an empty frame. Uh, I remember one time, Denise, she brought home a silvered uh, colored picture frame that she had bought. She set it on the the, the dresser there in our bedroom and weeks went by and weeks went by and weeks went by and I, I asked her, I said, Denise, who are those people in that picture? I don't think I've ever seen them at a family reunion. I, I don't ever recall meeting them sometimes. She said, oh no, they, they just came. That's the picture that came with the frame. I haven't put the five by seven in the frame. And I thought, you know what? They're the best-looking people. I thought they were the part of our family. I thought, I, I thought you know, they're the best-looking people in our family right there. And, but they weren't real. They weren't anybody that was a part of our family. And I wonder if that's not us. I wonder if the person we want to be isn't real. It's, it's really just, it's just empty. Perhaps it's the young adult. You thought you met Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, and then the relationship developed and you decided it was Mr. or Mrs. Wrong. It just didn't become what you hoped it would be. It was the billionaire Mal Malcolm Forbes who said, the way you know if you win in life is at the end of life if you die with enough toys. Wow. You get to the end of life and it's the stuff you've collected determines whether this frame is filled that has any purpose or, or any meaning whatsoever. In order to fill an empty mind, we give it information and we call it education. To, to fill an empty life, we, we have activity, we call it recreation. To fill an empty heart, we, we want it to have love and we call that relationships. And many people, who go into relationships and they think it's going to fill in the empty place in their life, the frame, the, the masterpiece, make, make their life complete. And they use words like, I want to find somebody that will make me happy. I want somebody that will make me feel complete. You're who I want. You're what I want to be. You're the thing that's going to make me feel complete on this inside and everything else. And then all of the sudden, disappointment comes into that relationship. I talked to a man one time. And he said he fell in love with a lady that only knew four vowels. 
I said, what do you mean, four vowels? He said she didn't know what I was. And he was really expressing the emptiness and the disappointment of relationship. You know, sociologists tell us that when you ask somebody about love, they're going to tell you about their heartbreaks and how they haven't experienced love. If you ask, they say somebody about hope, they're going to tell you about their despairs. If you ask them about belonging, they're going to tell you about the excruciating pain of, of rejection at some time in their life. You see, we're missing something. Being an empty heart, an empty life, failed dreams, maybe even a, an empty marriage. And right now it seems like in society, particularly in American culture, we're, we're smothered by slogans and we're teased by, by fad and we chase it and we go every direction, but we seem to be missing it. It was, it was Andy Horwall that said that everybody just gets 15 minutes of fame. May I rephrase that? 15 minutes in the frame. That if you, you chase that dream, you chase the fad, you chase what's in vogue, you, you, you just live for self to make me happy that the frame is always empty in our life. And then the Gospels, the Gospel tells us that a man by the name of Jesus comes along. And Jesus is going to say that he is life. And in him, in him, Life makes sense. I want to suggest that in Jesus, life makes sense. The, the frame is filled with the masterpiece. We find what it really means. For you see, we were created by God and for God. That there is that empty place in our life that we long for. And because Jesus came, I want you to know our lives can be full of hope. You see, hope Hope is the DNA of God. It was philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. He said that, that God intentionally put within us discontentment. Why? So that we would always yearn for him, that we would not be satisfied with the trivial or the 15 minutes of fame, that we would long and search for that which is the highest. As one German philosopher referenced it, he called it the numinous in which the soul yearns. The soul longs for God. The soul created by God yearns to find its place, to find the masterpiece, God's presence in our life. Jesus said, we can have a life full of hope. And reading in the scriptures, if you'll allow me, reading in the scriptures, we're gonna, we're gonna learn something that that the cross of Jesus dispels misery and the resurrection of Jesus spells hope. Yes, the, the cross of Jesus it dispels the sin, the sorrow, the, 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 the insecurities. But the resurrection, the empty tomb of Jesus, it spells hope for you and I today. In the book of Ephesians, chapter number two, just a few verses here. It says, remember that a time that you were separated from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenant. In other words, you weren't in the club. We weren't in the club. We didn't have a right. We didn't have membership. We were without hope and without God 
in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. What is it telling us? It's telling us that Jesus, Jesus has the ability to bring hope into our life. We weren't in the club. We were separated. We were, we were living for the frame, and everything in the frame was missing. It, it faded because we were missing the masterpiece. But in Jesus, God embraced us and brought us near. And in him, in Christ, as the Scripture says, we find hope. Why do I say that we can have hope in God? Why is it that I can tell you that our lives can be full of hope? Because Jesus reaches further than we can sink. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Jesus reaches further than we can sink. When we were afar off, God reached out and brought us near. And here I want you to hear the story of Will and Crystal and Randall as they tell when their hearts sank. I'm Will Randall. And I'm Crystal. So on October 10th, uh, we welcomed our fourth baby girl uh, to our family in Berlin, in Berlin Faith. Um, so we thought, oh yeah, we got this. We know what we're doing. Uh, and then she was healthy. She was great and then about around eight weeks she started to develop this cough and so we're like oh we know what to do and it just the cough got worse and worse and uh, by the third day she was um, real weak and lethargic and, and so we're like something's not right and I looked at her and her lips were starting to turn blue yeah And the doctor kept telling me, your daughter's very sick. Yeah. Your daughter's very sick. And I just wasn't comprehending, like, so fix her. Like, why can't you just fix her and we'll go on our way? He kept saying, your daughter's very sick. We're going to have to take her downtown um, and by the ambulance to the children's hospital. Yeah. Around 8 o'clock, some... They yeah. woke us all up. The bells started going off, and doctors and nurses started running in. And her oxygen tube had actually gotten clogged. Uh, there was so much mucus and fluid in her lungs, it had clogged her breathing tube, and so her lungs had collapsed. And so her O2 levels flattened out, and they had to resuscitate her. And um, this was a bit of a shock for us. We were still trying to acclimate onto what's happening. And then you're watching this, what was four days before a perfectly healthy baby, you're watching her on the table. Uh, in a very real sense, almost die in front of you. We were real raw and emotional and yeah. uncertain of what what was going to happen. Um, we knew our daughter was sick. We knew she was very sick. Um, but we didn't know the extreme of it yet. And then the second week when she was in the hospital, they had warned us since we got in that, hey, it will get darker before it gets brighter. Everything was seemed to be going fine. Um, uh, all of a sudden, her alarms went off. We were used to hearing alarms, but now all the alarms were going off. And I remember I was sitting in the chair in the corner of our room. I hadn't fallen asleep yet, and 
um, almost immediately there were eight people in the room. I knew what was happening because we'd been there for a week and a half and I'd picked up enough lingo that I understood uh, her heart wasn't beating, her lungs had collapsed, and uh, she was dying. It's the moments in the car, I feel like, that were... The absolute worst. ...where you would break. And, like, just, you had to get it all out because you knew when you get home, you have to put on a face for your kids. Like, everything's going to be fine. And so those times alone in the car were just, like, your time with God and, like, just total meltdown. <laughs> I remember I'd plead, like, God, please don't take my baby. Please yeah. don't take my baby. And then he told me that she is a gift, that this is a gift that I've given you, and... And I was reminded that we are not promised tomorrow. Yeah. God hasn't promised us tomorrow and that he'd given me this precious gift. So I, w I went to the hospital that day and I, I held my baby's hand and I just said, thank you God for this baby. Thank you for this gift. And if you decide to take her, thank you for the time that I have had. But I hope you don't take her. Uh, there was something about when it got really, 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 really dark that uh, neither one of us would just break down and give up. It was, we would almost always, uh, we would dig into our Bible. We would read scripture over her. And uh, uh, we almost always had worship music playing in the background, um, and uh, it was up to us to change the atmosphere. We feel like something broke that day, um, and thankfully it wasn't us. <laughs> uh, but then it became, no, we're going to pray for what we want to see, no, we're going to search after God, and um, that's when we started taking ground. For us, it was, I mean, we look back now and we just see God's hand on it. And from the very, very beginning, he was saying, hey, even if it doesn't look like I'm working, I'm there. And uh, now we've got a, a bouncing, healthy baby who, uh, who is just absolutely bright and wonderful. Um, her first checkup when she got out, the doctor was amazed. <laughs> he was like... He's, he actually picked her up and walked her around the doctor's office and was like, Showing look at her. Out. He's like, can you believe it? She was intubated for three, for four and a half weeks. Can you even believe that? Look how healthy she is. Look at it. And it was just a testament to, you know, what God's done. His grace and his mercy and his healing. And you always get kind of nervous, especially because we work in ministry. We've grown up in ministry where you see something like this happen and it just shatters people's faith. And I think for us, it was the cornerstone of what got us through it. Um, we wouldn't have gotten through it without it. Yes, God gives hope in our darkest hour. God gives hope because Jesus pursues us further than we can run. Now, sometimes we run out of indifference. Sometimes we, we run from God out of stubbornness. And sometimes we just run from God out of neglect. But Jesus pursues us further than we can run. 
When Jesus came to this earth and he was born, he demonstrated that he went out of his way. When he went to the cross, God was demonstrating that through Jesus he would go all the way. And the resurrection of Jesus demonstrates that Jesus is the way. What great news for us today that Jesus will pursue us no matter how far we run. You know, Jesus decided to come up out of the grave and not down from the cross. If he would have come down from the cross, it would have been to save himself. But he decided to come up out of the grave so he could save you and I. God demonstrates his love for us through the resurrection of Jesus, as the scripture says, that when we were without God, we were, we were without hope. Five words that change our life, but now in Christ. But now in Christ. No matter what happens to us, God has no spiritual distancing from us. God's not pulling away from us. The empty tomb is evidence that our hearts do not have to be empty today. And we live in a world that sometimes we, are, we have on one side, we tell the story once upon a time, and then we punctuate it, and they lived happily ever after. And there is this middle, this in-between, this messy middle. And what a mess we can make out of it. In this messy middle called life, there are breakups, and some of you have had a breakup that's resulted in a, in a heartbreak. Sometimes there's divorce that we didn't plan and just, just a tragedy and a, and a terrible thing happens to a family. There are families that, that are living together and the only thing that's holding them together is the kids. They have nothing else in common because all hope and love and life has, has drained from the relationship. I want you to know that God can bring hope back to your heart. And you've dismissed God. You said, no, God can't. Yes, he can, and he will pursue you lovingly. He will chase you down every road, and you're going to hear God's voice calling to you, bidding you to come back to him, to come to know the Lord. You see, God's in the business of changing lives. I'm reminded of a family we had in the church. They had married before they came to San Antonio and were part of Westover, and and their story was they grew up in church together and everything was perfect. They were the perfect, the ideal Christian family. But there was a dark secret in that man's life, the husband's life. He had a, he had a drug addiction that he had hid. But all of a sudden, because of feeding that drug addiction, it, it led to lying and and stories that were not true, and eventually stealing from family members, borrowing from family members, never paying them back, and then stealing on the job. And finally, he was caught, and it, it came out, and there was no amount of family interventions or pleading that ever changed that addiction. That pattern just went on, and, and finally, finally, he found himself facing a prison sentence. He would be away from his wife and away from his little children, and she would have to tend to the children and make a living while he was in jail. And while he was in jail, people were telling her, the wife, you ought to leave him. There's no hope. It'll never change. He, he promised you. You've tried to intervene. No, nothing has ever worked. And I can remember people telling her, just give up and walk away. He came out of prison, was reunited with the family. The children were a little older. He had the prison tattoos on. And he was, he was hardened 
by his experience. Oh, he came with his wife to church, but I remember that, that, that kind of that stoic look and uninvolved, and you could see his heart was closed up. I want you to know, Jesus will pursue you no matter how far you run. And God was talking to him. And I remember the service in which all of a sudden his head went down. His shoulders began to move with tears. He was broken. The spirit of God came upon him. I still remember him going down and praying and the family and his wife gathering around and others that had gathered around him and prayed at that moment. And that man's life was changed. He became a different man. He became the husband she always wanted. His career began to take off. The family was united. There was a warmth between kids and father. There was a, there was, when they said dad, there was a warmth in there. Can I tell you, God restored that family. God brings hope to our life. When no one else sees hope in the messy middle, God brings a meaningful middle. And God will do the same for you. He has sent out an amber alert. He's calling people that have, have wandered from the Lord, have gone their own path, have, have been distracted from God. The amber alert is, is to the skeptic who's given really no meaningful consideration for God. The amber alert has gone out from the, to the person who's, who's kept God at an arm's length. And you've always justified it. I'm a good person. I do good. I, I pay my bills. I just keep a good job. And you, you have God in a little corner of your life, but you haven't put your full trust and confidence in the Lord. It goes out to the person that, that's wandered from their faith. They were raised to know the Lord, but life, distraction, disappointment, maybe setback, heartbreak has come your way. And you've pulled back from God for the last several years. And it just seems like you're disconnected with God. The amber alert is going out to you. The amber alert is going out to the person that's running from God, who's caught in a lifestyle or even caught in success. And they're just running as far as you can from God. But God is chasing and looking for you. God is calling you back. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward, and they're going to share a song with us. And I, I just want you to know whether you're the downcast, the outcast, or you've cast God aside. God is reaching out to you, and God wants to bring hope to your life. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, empty is the new full. Feeling like nothing seems to be working. Just one step feels like climbing up a mountain Hopes and dreams shattered by the weight of giants Fear and doubt lurking in the shadow I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm running out of breath I'm weary, I'm weary, it's more than I can take I'm empty Say, don't give up before 
have hope in God because of an empty tomb. And Jesus, he stretches further than you can fall. No matter what disappointments, setbacks, mistakes you've made, God's heart and God's hand will stretch further than you can fall in life. We have hope in the Lord. I began by telling you, Denise and I, we were in Paris and we had one day set aside to go to the Louvre. We wanted to see the masterpiece, the, the Mona Lisa, but the day we went, it was closed, and we never got a chance to see it. I want you to know, God's heart is never closed. An empty tomb says, at any time, anyone, at any place, no matter what's going on, God will receive you. God will offer his forgiveness. And I want to extend an invitation for you to know Christ as your personal Savior today. No matter what journey you've been on, God is ready to receive you now. At Westover, we say the path to God is as clear as A, B, C. A, we acknowledge our need of God. B is believe that Jesus is God's one and only Son. And C, confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior in our life. And I'm going to invite you, whether you're in a living room or around a kitchen table with family members, to personalize it 
and a prayer. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be fancy. It'll come from your heart. And God will hear your heart right now. And as you pray, and I'm going I'm to kind of lead you in this moment of saying, I want to receive Christ. And it goes something like this. Lord, I, I acknowledge that I need you. I acknowledge that I'm missing something in my life. And I, I want God, I want Jesus to come in. I believe that Jesus is the Savior. I believe Jesus is God's one and only Son. And now, I confess Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. I, I acknowledge before God, I confess that I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I've failed. So many I can't number, but God, I'm just going to say, just forgive me and receive me into your family. And if you've made that prayer personal from your heart, I want to give you the assurance God has heard your prayer and now you're part of the family of God. And I'm going to invite you, if you made that prayer, if you made a commitment or a recommitment, you're reconnecting with God today, giving your life to the Lord again or for the very first time, that in the number that's provided on the screen, you would text new life. And it represents that you're having a making new moment when you say new life. You're, you're going to text that or you can click on the link. And we want to communicate with you. We want to support you. We want to help you in your journey of faith. And I want to thank you for joining us on this Resurrection Day. May God bless you.